the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. with me if you would to the book of Luke chapter 18. I'm going to share with something with you this morning that I know that God has spoken to my heart to share. Simply entitled, Shall God Not Avenge His Own? That's a question. Shall God not avenge His own? Luke 18, verse 1. Speaking of Jesus, it said, Then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was, a certain, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall, not, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me. Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you know what's going on in the heart of every believer here today. And there is no way that I, in my, my flesh, can minister to every individual need. But Holy Spirit, I know you can. I know that you can speak to every heart here and bring freedom and life and light. And so I just release you to do that. You're, you're the real preacher, the real teacher here today. We want to honor you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. To... Get what this parable is supposed to tell us. We, we first have to, we have to undo something. I've heard this parable preached, and unfortunately, it's, it's, there's too many that walk with the wrong understanding. And so we've got to talk about what this parable is not saying. In this parable, Jesus is not saying... that just like the widow woman hounded the unjust judge, you need to hound my father. 
And that's kind of what the impression some preachers and teachers give you. That because of this unjust judge got weary with her and gave in to her, just like that, the father, if you will just keep coming to him and coming to him, eventually, how many, how many have heard that? That's been the understanding. Let me give you something. When, when, when God compares himself to somebody in Scripture, he never compares himself to the worst. He always compares himself to the best and then tells you how much better than that he is. You get that? Uh, when, he, when he was looking for a symbol of, of, of love and nurturing, he, in, in his heart, it was a mother nursing a child. And he asked the question, would, could that woman forget that that is her baby and she's nursing it? And you think about that and we go, of course not. I, I don't think it's ever happened that a woman has been nursing a child and they're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Where'd this baby come from? And whose baby is this? And yet God, so God took what he saw as the height of human nurture and compassion, and he said, could she forget her nursing child? She might. But I will never forget you. Whenever he compares himself to somebody, he always finds the best and shows you how much better he is. Somebody get that point. In this story, this is not a good judge. He is not comparing himself to the judge. This is an unjust judge who has no regard for God or man. I would suggest to you most everybody in this room is better than this guy. And so God isn't comparing himself to this guy. You, you need to understand something that there are essentially two directions of prayer. There are prayers to God and there are prayers against your adversary. How many's with me? There are prayers that you pray to God and then there are prayers that your, your focus, your attack is on the enemy. And so we, we get this story and we... we we understand that there's a truth here that isn't, this parable isn't comparing the unjust judge with God. It starts off with this. Jesus said, men ought always to pray. You know what the word always means? Anybody take a stab at it? Always. There you go. Isn't that amazing how that works? It means that we ought always to pray. Now listen, there, there's, there's a truth here that you're going to have to get spiritually. There isn't enough time in the day to explain it where it will make sense with your mind. You're going to have to receive this spiritually. But there is only one thing that we do always that, that affects this world, that, that, that interacts with this world that we're in. I mean, our heart beats always, and our blood flows always, but 
That's all inside of us. There's only one thing that we do always that comes out of us. And that is breathe. There needs to come an understanding in a child of God about their very breath. When God formed man, the Bible says he breathed into him the breath of life. I've heard it said that God never inhales because God needs nothing. He always exhales. There's no example in scripture where God ever inhales anything. There's multiple examples where he blows out. So he breathed into Adam the breath of life. And that breath of life is breathed in each of us. After Jesus had died and rose from the grave, the disciples were locked in a room for fear of what the Jews were going to do to them. And one day Jesus just showed up in the middle of them. And he encouraged their heart. But when he got finished, the Bible says that he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. The breath of God, breathing. There's something that Jesus is trying to get us to understand something, that, that, that the very act of our breathing is more than just the exchange of molecules of oxygen. There's a change that takes place. When your heart is in sync with the Holy Spirit, when your spirit is in line with God, something about your very breath changes things. Paul said men ought to always, to, or Jesus ought always to pray. Paul said pray without ceasing. When you understand that when we gather together and worship, we, we don't... We don't bring God by our worship. He's already here. Though I go to the top of the mountain, David said, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. He's everywhere in between. What our worship is doing, it is changing the spiritual atmosphere by releasing God. And so what is our worship? Our worship is nothing more than taking our breath and running it past our vocal cords and we make a sound. It's the same thing that God did when he had created. He, he spoke the worlds into existence. He breathed out and said, let there be light. And there was light. And if you understand the Hebrew language, when he did that, he, he wasn't creating light. He was releasing light. I'm going to get this. Let. It's the same word when he said, he, Jesus stood in the graveyard and he said, loose him and let him go. Something was binding Lazarus and the word of God changed. You need to get this down into your spirit. You, you need to know that you're breathing out, that we need to get to the place as believers that, that our next breath could be a prayer that, that God is so real with us that, that it would seem odd if you go for an hour without saying the name of Jesus, 
when it would seem odd to go an hour without thanking God for how good he is, that, that your breath, that every, I, I want you to know something, that, that when we get to that place, when we know that in our tongue is the power of death and life, and, and our next breath could destroy everything the devil's been working on, and you you like a sledgehammer, you walk through your day breathing out prayers. There's a place in Scripture where it says that, that, that this individual came breathing threatenings. Well, we need to walk around breathing prayers. That the moment the Holy Spirit moves on us, we breathe out a prayer. We just breathe out a prayer. And when you get that, when you know who you are in God, and you get that when you get up in the morning. It isn't like, what is waiting for me today? You start your morning, you say, devil, this isn't going to work out good for you. I'm breathing again. I'm breathing. I'm, I'm inhaling air. And, and when it comes out, and you, and you just keep hammering the enemy. You just keep hammering him and hammering him and hammering him with every breath you take. And God said in this, this verse, I hear them day and night. I know what it's like as a believer to just go through your day and all of a sudden a hurt and somebody's life that you care about hits your heart and you just breathe out a prayer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You need to know that your breath changes the atmosphere. Just the breathing out in it. Some have lost heart. You don't let your spirit breathe. You don't let it groan. The Bible says to, to build yourselves up in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. You, to do that, you've got to breathe. Some of you need to change the atmosphere of your life. You can't walk around confessing bondage and confessing depression and confessing and confessing and confessing and confessing and have things change. You breathe out what you want to live. You breathe that out. I'm not saying you live in denial, but you breathe out truth. You attack the enemy with your every breath. I don't feel good right now. I'm going to lay down. When I get up, I'm going to feel better. I'm breathing it out. I'm not in the best mood right now. I just need to go talk to the Lord for a few minutes. That's truth. But you can't breathe out negative and get positive. And so Jesus said here you, that you need to always pray and not lose heart. If you've got King James, it says, and faint. You know, you can hold your breath to the point where you faint. At least some people can. If you don't get air, you faint. Some of you need to let your spirit breathe. Come on. You need to let it breathe. You say, I don't feel like worshiping. Get a mouthful of air and get that thing breathing again. You see, if you don't let your spirit get air, it'll faint. You'll lose heart. I can promise you, Paul and Silas didn't feel like singing a song 
as they hung on the prison wall, they didn't feel like singing a song. I can see them hanging there and Paul says, Silas, you, you feel like singing? He's hanging on a wall and he's been whipped. Silas says, no, Paul, I don't. Paul said, me either. What do you want to sing? Because your, your, your breathing changes things. I want to tell you, when you get that down into your spirit, when you get to understand that you literally breathing and living is an offense to the enemy, and you have no intention of stopping, you're just going to keep breathing. I, I, I heard a, a fellow minister of mine, a, a, he'd come to hold a revival for us, and he told me of an occurrence that um, he was in a church one day, and he was... He was praying, and, and, and the church was open for a prayer meeting, and, and unfortunately, he was the only one there, and he was at the altar praying, and he heard the back door of the church open, and somebody came in, and she sat towards the back. And he says he, he found himself that as, as he was praying, that it started to get harder to pray. And he said, I, I heard... I heard, I heard a voice, and it said to me, I hear you breathing. And he, he said that he, he, he looked around, and there she was all the way at the back with her head bowed. There was nobody else in the room. He put his head down, and he began to try to pray, but now it was a struggle. And he, he heard the word again, but he said it was softer and slower. And the voice said, I... He said, Mike, you know what was the weirdest thing about all that? I kept hearing that, but every time I heard it, it spoke slower. And he said, I found myself falling asleep. He said, pretty soon I'm yawning. You, don't want, you want to know why your body yawns? It yawns because it's saying, hey, dude, we're not getting enough air. Some of you are spiritually yawning. You don't, you don't talk to God. Yeah, you ought to have your prayer time, but Jesus said, and Paul said, you ought to pray all the time. Any moment to the next breath. The next time your, your, your struggle hits your mind, instead of breathing out, oh man, breathe out, oh God. Your next breath. But that isn't really what this message is about. This is a story about a widow. And whenever God talks about a widow, he's, he's reaching the bottom of the barrel. What I mean by that is they're the most pitiful, especially in that culture. That's why he tells us that our religion ought to affect the widows and the children. Because in that culture, a widow, you know, they're, they're, she doesn't have anybody now. It was her husband that protected her and her husband that provided for her. And in that society, he owned everything and her name was on nothing. And so when, when Jesus, you, you ever notice how many widows are in the, in the, in the Gospels? It's because that's, that's the most pitiful of all the people you can find. And so Jesus is saying that there was this widow and 
And so that ought to let you and I know that she was a woman who really had some serious struggles. But this widow understood something. She came to the judge, and listen to me for a moment. It didn't matter to her that the judge was unjust. It didn't matter to her that the judge had no regard for God. And it didn't matter to her that the judge had no regard for man. She said to the judge, avenge me. That's a strong word. Avenge me. In New King James, it's called get justice for me. We don't have the time to go into all the nuances of the Greek language here. Here's what you've got to understand. She is not appealing to the judge because of the, the value of her case. She's not appealing to the judge based on that guy is bad and has done me wrong. She's appealing to the judge based on who she is. That's an important truth you need to know. You get justice for me based on who I am. And at first, he's not moved. But then he thinks about it. And he says to himself, even though I don't agree with her cause, even though I have no regard for God or man, if I don't give her justice, she will wear me out. Some of you all need to know what it means to wear the devil out. Come on. We, pl we pray a little 30-second pitiful prayer, and the devil don't do what we ask him to do, and we just give up and act like God don't care. And maybe the reality is that God does care. Jesus said he will avenge speedily. But maybe the reality is you need to know who you are. You need to know who you are. Not... If you gain the whole world and you die not knowing who you are, you've lost. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm not a loser. Luke 13. It says this, verse 10. Speaking again of Jesus, it says, Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and, in, and could in no way raise herself up. I'm going to stop for a moment. Why was she bent over? What was the problem? Spirit of infirmity. Can I tell you that the doctor doesn't have the answer to every issue you face? Can I tell you the lawyer doesn't have the answer for every issue you face? Can I tell you the psychiatrist and the 
doesn't have the answer for everything you face. Somewhere in the church, we got it backwards. We go to individuals first, and only out of desperation do we then turn back to God. How many know what I'm talking about? To get an answer. This woman had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. It's like the other woman who had the issue of blood that came to him and the Bible said she'd spent all the money she could and never got any better. I suggest to you before you breathe out to your doctor and before you breathe out to your lawyer, before you breathe out to your therapist, maybe you ought to breathe out to God. Maybe you ought to breathe out a prayer. Before you believe what somebody else has spoke over, you ought to breathe out a prayer to God. She had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could, no, could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately, everybody say immediately, she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. What's Jesus saying there? I mean, know that because so much was left out of the, the four Gospels because there wasn't room enough to contain it, that means that everything that was left in there was left in there for a purpose. And Jesus pointed out that this woman was a daughter of Abraham. Why was that important? It was important because she was a daughter of Abraham before the Sabbath was instituted. Listen to me here. Listen to me for a moment. Listen to me. You were a child of God before Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Jesus, the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. Forgiveness was available to you and I. This woman had an identity. That song we sang today, I am who you say I am. 
We need to get back to the place where the people in the body of Christ know that they are part of the body of Christ. We need to get that holy indignation, that, that righteous anger against the enemy. That thing that rose up in that young boy David when he heard Goliath stalling an entire army of the people of God. And David's attitude was, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he would challenge the armies of God. Is anybody going to shut his mouth? Listen to me for a moment. Of everything that God wants to happen in your life, here's what he wants to happen. He wants you to know who you are. The first words we hear the Father speak over Jesus Christ as he came up out of the baptismal waters was, This is my son. That was a profound declaration because 18 years earlier, Jesus said, I'm an employee. I must be about my father's business. 18 years later, dad says, I don't need employees, I need children. You're a child of the Most High God. And what was tested in the wilderness was, does he know who he is? If thou be the Son of God. If thou be the Son of God. If thou be the Son of God. And the real answer is, I'm not the Son of God. I'm the beloved Son of God. You left off the good part. He loves me. He's got nothing but good for me. (coughs) One more scripture, Matthew chapter 15. Now, before we read this, I gotta gotta correct something. Some people have this misunderstanding that when Jesus was born and rose... And, and, and grew up that, that he just knew everything. He just automatically knew everything, except the Bible would disagree with that. First off, we have examples, but the Bible says that he learned obedience. So, so you understand, he doesn't know everything. Are you with me? He was never wrong, but he only said what he heard the Father saying. And they only did what he saw the Father doing. And we have several times where Jesus marveled. (laughs) He was teaching one day and he was healing and delivering people and miracles were happening. And somebody in the back room said, wait a minute. Aren't you the carpenter's son? You say you're the son of God come from heaven, but no, no, Joseph's your daddy. Dude, you build chairs. And the Bible says that the miracle stopped. And Jesus, the Bible says, marveled at their unbelief. Literally what he was saying was he was 
shocked that their unbelief stopped him doing miracles. Are you with me? So we pick up this story. Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan, that means she's not a Jew, she's, okay? A woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. King James says, grievously vexed of the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dog, little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Can I tell you, there's something that happens when we know who he is and we know who we are. And when you can persistently take that to the enemy, I, 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 could, imagine, I, I could imagine that maybe if she had come with her own issue and said, I need you to heal me, he didn't answer her. I think some of us would have got offended in that moment. What, what's, what's, what's your deal? What's your deal? Last week, I got aggravated with my insurance company. I'm hunting a new insurance company. I've been driving 45 years. My wife has been driving 46 years. Our son has been driving a year. That's 92 years of driving. No claims. I don't know how many years I've had house insurance. No claims. Just money go out every month. <laughs> and I called and asked them a simple question. How much would it affect our insurance bill if we didn't have full coverage on my son's car, we just had liability? And she said, I'll get back to you. And a week goes by, and she didn't get back to me. So I called again. I said, listen, I still need an answer. 
how much will it affect the cost of our insurance that we just had liability in our son's car, not full coverage? And she said, oh, I meant to get that to you. I'll get back to you right away. Well, that's been another week, and I haven't heard from her. So I'm like, I'm done. You can't get any better insurance people than us. We've been paying for 46 years, and they've had to give us nothing. Well, take that back. Every year they send us a little card. They stick it in the glove box that I've never had to pull out once in my whole life. I was offended. I, you ain't getting no more mom. I look at how much I give them every year. All you got to do is just give me an answer to a simple question. If she came to Jesus needed healing and he wouldn't even answer her, I, I would guess she'd just... This was for her daughter. You got to get the whole nuance of the story or you're, you're missing the whole point. So that, that pushed, that compelled her. Well, if he won't talk to me, if the pastor won't see me, I'll, I'll, I'll go to leadership. Yeah, John, I, I called pastor, left two messages. He never called me back. Um, could you give me an appointment with him? John says, I'll be back with you. Pastor so-and-so, can you, can you make her go away? Can you kick her out of the church? She aggravates us. How many else would be offended at this point? I think she would have been offended too, but she got a daughter at home. You got to get this. You got to get all the nuances of this. So she's going to keep going because she got a daughter at home. And in spite of all that, what does she do? She comes to Jesus and throws herself at his feet and worships him. She said, I don't... I didn't come for you people. I came for the, the Jews. I came for the Israelites. I didn't come for for you. She says, Lord. She knows who he is. She says, yes, I understand. I understand. I understand I'm not a kid at the table. I understand I'm I'm a dog under the table. And, but don't the dogs get the scraps? And then it goes off. He says, oh, woman. Here's what he's saying. You know who I am. And you know who you are. You know what God's saying in the first parable we read? You've got to know who he is. He's not an unjust judge. He doesn't need to be hammered. He doesn't need to be reminded. He's not your adversary. The devil's your adversary. And he said, I'm waiting for you to square yourself with him and tell him who you are. And Jesus said, if you'll do that, will not my Father avenge you speedily? Every parent in this room know what I'm talking about. I'd step in and help every kid I ever saw who was in trouble. I have and would. 
don't mess with my kids. Amen? We had a church. It wasn't our church. We weren't pastoring there, but we had a church, and, and our, our oldest son, he was, just, he was just to the age where he could barely pick himself up, and he could stand by holding the side of something, you know, and, and he was in the nursery, and I had to leave the service to go to the bathroom, and on my way back, I stopped, and they had the nursery had that half door you can look in, and, and there, there was our son, and, and there's this beautiful little girl, a little bit older than him, and she had a little frilly dress on and curly blonde hair, and she's this beautiful little girl. And, and I saw my son pull himself up to the toy box, and he's looking in. And I thought, oh, look at that. He's standing, and that's so cool. And that little girl walked over by him, and I said, isn't that sweet? And then she put her hand on his chest and pushed him down. I'm like, where's the lock on the door? I can take her. Frilly dress and all. She's mine <laughs> lady work in the nursery went over and said oh no no don't do that and I said hand her to me hand her to me we'll fix this abuse now you know what the father is saying here I want you to know you're my kid I want you to know you're my child. I want you to know that. I want you to get that down into your spirit. My children know my voice. My sheep know my voice. Above anything else that God wants to do in your life, he wants you to know that. And he wants you to look the enemy in the eye and breathe out prayers and worship in spite of what you're going through, in spite of what you face, because I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a child of the Most High God. And you breathe that out and you breathe that out and Jesus said, even though that judge is unjust, even though he has no regard for God, he has no regard for you, you will weary him with your constant, I know I'm a child of God. I know I'm a child of God. I know I'm a child of God. You get up in the morning, I am a child of God, and child of God should not have to struggle with this every day. I know I'm a child of God. It says only temporary, this too shall pass. I know I'm a child of God. I am not going to be bound by this every day of my life. I know I'm a child of God. And you breathe that out, and you breathe that out, and you breathe that out, and then all of a sudden, As a young Christian, I learned this. I, I had hurt my leg. I don't know how, I, I, less than a year old in the Lord. I'd, I'd hurt my leg, and my, my leg literally from my hip to my ankle was black and blue and purple and yellow. And, and I, had, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't push up with this leg. I couldn't walk up steps. To go up steps, I had to walk up and then, you know, do the gimpy leg thing. And I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I had a knot. It looked like the size of a fist, and it was buried right here. And I, I went to the doctor, and they did x-rays, and 
the doctor came to me and he said, you, you need surgery. And I said, what's going on? He said, your, your quadricep muscle. He said, I've never seen that, but it broke completely loose. He said, where it attaches down there, it's broke loose. And that big knot, you see, is the muscle. It's like a rubber band that's, you know, it's been, and it's just knotted there. And he said, you're bleeding inside your leg. That's why it's all swelled up in all those colors. I said, okay, you're going to do surgery? He said, you got insurance? I said, no. He said, I won't be doing surgery. So I went to church, and I, I went to the altar, and I had people pray for me. And I got up, and it wasn't any better. I thought, well, that's a Sunday morning, and a lot of stuff doesn't happen on Sunday morning. Maybe Sunday night it'll happen. And I went to Sunday night, and it didn't happen. I don't remember how many times I got prayer over the course of a, a week or so, several times, and I'm, I don't, I don't know what to do. I remember laying down at night, and I remember struggling just at that time I was sleeping on the floor, and I, I, I laid down. I remember what a struggle it was to just get down on the floor with. I started to pray, and I said, you know what, God, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm just done, okay? I'm your kid. I'm just done with this. I'm not going to bring it up anymore. I'm your child. You're my God. Good night. Next morning, I forgot all about it. I remember walking to work, and I was working construction. And I remember starting up a ladder, and I, you know, to go up the ladder, I had used to have to do the funny peg leg thing, and I found myself walking up the ladder. I, what? I reached down and the lump was gone. I went down off the ladder, went into the bathroom. <laughs> Not only was the lump gone, my, there was no black and blue, no purple, no yellow. It, it was totally gone. Absolutely gone. Everything, every trace of everything from one night till the next morning was gone. Listen, you need to know who you are. Some of y'all have let your spirit fall asleep because you just aren't worshiping. Can somebody hear me? And you quit praying about this. Remember, I'll close. The cartoon, it wasn't a cartoon, it was a kid's show called Spanky and Our Gang. Little Rascals, that's what it was. And they... They went to do a, a radio show, and they had the Yellow Submarine Band. Some of you all don't know what I'm talking about. How many know what I'm talking about? Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Okay. And, and they showed up. I mean, they had cans, and they had just, it was a mess. And, and it, was, it was supposed to be their turn to go on live, and the guy comes into the green room and said, okay, Yellow Submarine Band. And they get up, and I mean, there's a dog with symbols on his back, you know, and cans. And they start to walk in the room. He goes, no, 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 no. I need the submarine, yellow submarine band. And they said, we are the yellow submarine band. He goes, no, you're not. And Spanky looked, he looked at them. He goes, maybe we ain't us. <laughs> you know, just because the devil tells you you ain't a child of God, 
You need, you need to believe what God breathed in your direction instead of what the devil breathed in your direction. I'm not a child of God because everything goes right in my life. I'm a child of God in spite of everything not going right in my life. I'm a child of God. Stand to your feet if you would, please. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.